0: You're listening to Win Win. An entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf. And welcome again to Win Win an Entrepreneurial Community. I am Ben Wolf, and today we are going to learn from our guest how to grow and maximize a family business with all of the natural challenges uh, and advantages that, that might uh, that, that might entail. And as always, I want to remind you to subscribe and leave a review on whatever method you are listening to this show on, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, whatever. Not only does it make the show more available to you to gain the benefit from uh, the knowledge and insights that our guests are sharing, but also using the uh, algorithms on apple and google it makes the show more prominent and so when people are searching for related podcasts or related search words it makes it more available to them so it's making the show more available to more people and the value that we're sharing which as always is not just sharing amazing and awe-inspiring entrepreneurial success stories but also sharing valuable tools and information that you and other people can use right away that's the purpose of the show and it just makes that value more available to yourself and to others so please do subscribe and leave a review and uh, with that, we are gonna get on to uh, talk, about, talk to our guest today. And uh, our guest is a certified EOS implementer through EOS Worldwide. And as we've spoken about, EOS stands for Entrepreneurial Operating System, a comprehensive set of, uh, of, uh, of simple tools and practices that entrepreneurial businesses can use to get what they want out of their business. Uh, she is a longtime executive coach She's a certified professional co-active coach through the Coaches Training Institute, CTI. I've actually done uh, trainings, uh, a three-day training with them before as well. And uh, she's the author of a brand new book that's out recently, Start Here, a guide for family business succession. Uh, You can find out more about her and her website, which is familybusinessmn.com. That's M as in Mary, N as in Nancy, like Minnesota um hailing from minnesota this that's again familybusinessmn.com and without further ado i give you sarah stern welcome sarah
1: thank you so much ben
0: now sarah i know that your dad and your uncle used to run an entrepreneurial business Uh, tell me more about what like what's your what's just a quick version of your of your own business journey
1: oh gosh yes so i grew up uh running around with my Sisters and my cousins in the family business. My my mom and my aunt supported my dad and uncle, uh, and I got a and what did they do? Oh gosh, they fixed cars mm-hmm. uh, in the small town in uh, Wisconsin where I grew up. But lucky for me, what I got to see is firsthand what it was to run a business, what it was to be a leader in a community because of that, right. um, what it meant to to be business partners at work and, and brothers and uncles to your kids at home. And, Mm -hmm. uh, I I mean, I didn't know anything different. We were in a small town. So that was what a lot of my, um, that was the life of a lot of my friends, or maybe that my friends, uh, you know, owned a farm together with their family. So this, this was just kind of, normal life for a lot of people. Uh, Then I, you know, grew up, left home and realized this is not normal life for everybody. Uh, And learn more and more about what it, what businesses look like and how they act when they don't have a horizon that's looking out 20, 30, 40, 50, 100 years from now. Hmm. Um, How businesses work when they're not thinking about their communities and the role they play in their communities. And I realized pretty quickly that, uh, I can make a big difference in the world when I help family businesses do well because they are thinking far out into the future and they are thinking about the communities they're in, uh, you know, the schools, the parks, the music programs right. um, that are local to, to their business, but, you know, they're taking care of their employees, they're taking care of their community, and that's a big deal.
0: Right. So one thing I'm gaining from what, from what you said, which actually goes to one of the next things I wanted to ask you, Which is, uh, you know, which is you're talking about how, you know, which are what are the differences? I mean, you've said in an article that you were quoted in at one point that approximately two thirds of privately held businesses are family owned, meaning that they're wholly or majority owned by blood or marital relatives. And so I was going to ask what you know, are the main differences that you see, you know, obviously from your own experience with a family business and, and with your clients, what are the main differences that you see? in the advantages that family businesses have versus other types of businesses and also what are the extra challenges that they have that are that are that are less challenging in other types of businesses. Oh,
1: that's such a good question. So, somebody recently said to me, you know, you must be you must just really love conflict and drama, you know, if you're working with family <laughs> businesses. And, that's um, what you
0: would think, right?
1: Right? And that's what people seem to think. I, I don't particularly love um, conflict or drama. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm not terribly um, good at that in my personal life. Uh, but really, what um, unfortunately, family businesses have that reputation. Right. What I see, though, is family business owners and people in their businesses, whether they're family or not, they tend to be really dedicated. Like I said, they're thinking about long term future for their business. They're thinking about the communities, they're thinking about their employees. Most of the family businesses I work with will talk about the families they are serving. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they take the fact that they get to pay their employees very seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, and they like that. Um, so I think that's, That's one of the huge benefits. I mean, these are people working hard with people really committed to each other in almost every situation. Um, The thing I've seen with family businesses as well is when the family is strong, when they have good, solid family traditions and trust and love each other, uh, they can really lean on the family during hard times, and it helps Mm -hmm. build and sustain It's a huge advantage. It's a massive advantage for them. And, uh, you know, the other thing is they tend to share a kind of a set of assumptions or core values as people. Mm -hmm. And that can be one of the biggest challenges that businesses face is, you know, trying to get aligned in that area. But when you kind of grow up in the same family, even if it's a great-great-grandfather who started it, you kind of come from a, a similar set of beliefs, and that helps rally people around you know, easy uh-huh. decisions, but also hard ones.
0: So, this is the, you find you find with your clients less less challenges in, in terms of getting everybody aligned around the core values and what's really important to to their culture and what it means to be part of the company.
1: Absolutely, absolutely.
0: Well, that is, I mean, that is fascinating. And you're saying, and I don't know if this is just a difference, or as opposed to a challenge or an advantage, but you know, you mentioned the much longer horizon in terms of the type of goals, uh, long-term goals that the, that the company has is, is, is oftentimes or sometimes very different or much longer term uh, than other types of businesses. I, I don't know if that would really be an advantage or a disadvantage, but yeah. it's interesting that that's mm-hmm. a difference.
1: It, yeah, you know, sometimes it is an advantage, sometimes it's not, right? So, um, certainly, there are situations where because they're thinking long term about the future of the business, um, in some situations, they're slower to innovate, mm-hmm. uh, they're slower to change. Um, in some situations, it's easier. Would well, you associate
0: that with the long term goals, or is that just a separate? Type of challenge of, you know, of being of being resistant to innovation and change.
1: Well, yes. Yeah. So, really good question. So often I'll see um, it, it just because they're thinking long term uh, doesn't mean they're resistant to change or they're lacking innovation. I think it just tends to be uh, an unfortunate reputation piece for family businesses Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, but
1: I actually find in in actual so I'll say this family businesses have certain reputations they have reputations for being small and mom and pop kind Mm -hmm. of businesses even though they're not I mean there are billion dollar multi-billion dollar international family businesses Mm -hmm. so I get this question a lot from people like you know oh Walt and
0: Roy Disney right
1: yeah (laughs) right right (laughs) <laughs> exactly right so people say you know how you know how, how are you working with those mom and pop shops it's like well i you know that's not the only I, that's actually I don't work with them. I work with these large, mm-hmm. larger, or mid-sized businesses. So right. they have a, they have a reputation for that. They have a reputation for being poorly run, mm-hmm. um, meaning, you know, not innovating, not welcoming new ideas, etc. I find a lot of family businesses to be the opposite of that. Mm-hmm. They're clear about where they're going. They're clear about the fact that they want to be around for a long time. And because mm-hmm. of that, they know they need to run solid businesses and use mm-hmm. great business practices in order to have a future that would take care of their kids, their nieces, their nephews, their grandkids, their great grandkids. So I think it's typically a, a positive thing, even though you know you see family businesses on reality TV and it suggests otherwise, right? <laughs> so right Or HBO recently.
0: Uh-huh. Well, I, I, I think I might have missed that. But um, like okay, so that is extremely interesting. And I guess the other side of that question is, What do you see as the main challenges that you see as more common among family businesses than among other types of businesses?
1: Yeah, so here's one big one. I just had a conversation about this this morning, and I probably have it once a month for the last 10 years. Um, Often when a founder in a family business or the previous generation is ready to retire and the next generation wants to Uh step up... uh, It's really hard for that outgoing generation to really leave, uh-huh. and there's this uh, there's this thing in, in in the family business world. They talk about um, seagull management, where this the outgoing generation will say they're going to be gone, but then they come flying in and they poop on everything, and then they fly <laughs> out. Okay, <laughs> seagull, <laughs> right? Okay, it's seagull it's management, a nice image. right? Yeah, yeah, right. So, um, and it's, of course, because you know, in other business situations, the owner sells the place and they're gone. Right? Right. But here, maybe they even sold it or gifted it to the next generation, but they're still around. Everybody in the community knows them. It's their son or daughter or grandkid running the business. So that's a huge challenge
0: Mm -hmm. um, for
1: lots and lots of family businesses. I I know of a family business. Um, Grandpa founded it. I think Mm -hmm. he had seven kids. All those kids had a lot of kids. And grandpa finally thought somebody in the business would be good enough to run it. And it was his youngest grandchild. Okay. Um, so that was really challenging. So the, this grandchild had seven uncles and one dad who hadn't been deemed good enough, and a whole bunch of uh, cousins who weren't. No, there good was enough no drama in that situation. Right? No, right? None, no drama none, at all. None at all. Right? So that's <laughs> to me the biggest challenge is who gets to do it, and that's where uh, it's really hard. And I feel so honored to get to help people work through this because who should run the business it really ideally isn't just the choice of. The founder, mm-hmm. it should be about this big, long, bright future that they see for the business, and who's the best person to run it? Who's the best person to take it there? And sometimes right. that is a family member, and sometimes it's the youngest grandson, and sometimes it's a person who's not a family member. And that how does cares. that work?
0: How, how does that work? If they, I mean, you, you're saying sometimes you have a family business, quote unquote, but then they decide that the the highest and best person to, to, to take over running of it is, is a hired CEO, let's say, I mean, is that, you find, how does that work? How does that, is that still a family, is that still a family business?
1: Yes. Oh my gosh. So this is what a lot of people, um, this is a question a lot of people ask the definite. I mean, there's, I'll tell you this, if you want to go read some, um, very dry stuff, which I wouldn't recommend you or oh, any of your readers love that. do. But I um, love dry stuff, <laughs> right? Awesome, sign me up. So, out in the family business literature, there are all these different definitions of a family business. So we uh-huh. don't need to go into all that. But if you just want to say a family business is defined by multiple generations of owners, uh-huh. that's all really in the end. If you go with that definition, and it's my favorite one. So, a family. There are many, many family businesses actually in the world who own the family business, but might not have a person running it but because they continue to own it and mm-hmm. and pass that ownership from one generation to the next that is a family business right. and it's okay. probably a healthy one because not right. every you know i not every family is going to produce a ceo in every generation right right i mean it's only maybe some families that produce a politician in every generation, right? It's just not natural that that would happen. So, um, like, so like in
0: the days, like in the days of kings, you know, you'd have uh, not not every not every not every kid is, uh, yes. is, is is appropriate to be the next monarch, you know? Exactly. And, uh, and that's one of the big challenges of dynasty type rule, obviously. So. That- Why should that work in family businesses, I guess? Exactly,
1: exactly. And it's so exciting for me when I see families decide that, uh, you know, we don't have the right person in the family. Or maybe the right person is out there, but they need more time to develop. And so they'll bring in an outside person to run the business, a CEO or a general manager, maybe for three to five to ten years while the next generation gets ready to actually run the day-to-day.
0: Right, interesting. So, in terms of the main main challenge you're mentioning is uh, seagull management. Yes. And, yes. Uh, so that's interesting. So, so you know, you mentioned people looking in the long term for their goals. Uh, what uh, what are the different what are the differences, or is there a pattern in the differences for the the types of long term goals the family business owners have versus other business owners?
1: Yeah. So, and I actually want to talk about this. So, um, there. There's this model that actually comes out of Harvard. Uh, imagine three circles, you know, uh-huh. interconnected like a Venn diagram. Bottom left one says family. Bottom right one says business. Right, so that's the parts of your family business. There's the family. There's the business. They overlap a bit. Um, something that often gets not talked about or completely ignored, or people aren't even aware of, is there's a third circle in family business, and that third circle is ownership. Uh-huh. Uh, and that's like I was just saying, right? You can still be a family business if, if you right, only own it, right? You don't even run it. So, right. um, And so what I find is a lot of family businesses, it's really the long-term view that they have around ownership. And that ownership, I help them define when I when I work with family businesses, I help them define what is the legacy they're trying to build by owning this business. Mm-hmm. And that's what defines that long term. So, and I and I say a legacy is two pieces. The first part of your legacy is why do you stay in this complicated world where you're a family and you're a business and you're owning the thing, right? Because mm-hmm. that that can, of course, I mean, being a family can cause conflict. Running a business causes conflict. Mm-hmm. Owning things causes conflict. Right? right? You can even have conflict. Combine just, all
0: three together.
1: Right. I mean, you're Should guaranteed be a disaster. Right. Right. <laughs> so why? What is it about this thing that that you want? about this situation, right? This complicated situation that is valuable to you. And a mm-hmm. lot of people's answer for that is something like, well, you know, it's my great grandfather's legacy. Well, that is very honorable, but what is it about your great grandfather's legacy that makes you want to keep owning this mm-hmm. and, and having this re- complicated relationship? So that's the first part of your legacy. And then the second is, what, is your trying to, what are you trying to create that will be here in a hundred years? right? That you're never going to experience. Mm-hmm. And when they have the answer to those two questions as owners, they make much better decisions inside the business.
0: Well, what what's the difference? So, you know, with those different kinds of goals that you might have of creating a legacy for a hundred years from now or whatever it happens to be. So how does, how, what difference does that make in the short term? What kind of different decisions should mm-hmm. be, be, people be making in the near term based on that yeah. I mean, like, does, does it honestly matter like what I'm doing hundred years in the future? Like, how does that affect what decisions yeah. I make now?
1: That's great. So let me give you an example. There's a family who they did this work and they realized that, um, their, why was, um, like, why are they owning this thing mm-hmm. was, I shouldn't say this thing, this business, right. Um, was they wanted to, um, create prosperity that it was all about prosperity for their family and for their employees. Mm -hmm. And then, and then the legacy they were trying to create was really around what they wanted to be out there in a hundred years was generational wealth for their family. And this is so it's kind of long, but it's beautiful. They wanted to create generational wealth for the family so that they could serve. And it's in this order, their church, their community and themselves in that order. Mm -hmm. Right. So With that, when they got really clear about that, it was prosperity, and it was about generational wealth to serve their their church, their community, and their family in that order. Mm -hmm. What they actually ended up doing is looking at the business and saying, our industry is changing like crazy. In order to stay alive in this industry, we're gonna have to get really big. If we get really big prosperity, the way we define it, and part of that was all about life balance and being able to be with each other. Okay. Uh, the only way we're gonna do that is have to work a million um, hours and, and make this business huge. They decided to sell the business hmm. and take the money instead. And so that was a day-to-day decision, right? We're gonna actually sell this business. Right. Well, right. That's, right,
0: that's a big difference in the short term. About big difference a, in the short term.
1: Exactly. I worked with another family. Their clarity was about, they loved creating entrepreneurial opportunities for family members, and they thought owning the business was the way to do that. Mm -hmm. They also, a hundred years from now, wanted to have really excellent jobs available in the state of Minnesota. Mm -hmm. So what they ended up doing is hiring an outside person to run the business because the next generation was super crazy entrepreneurial Mm -hmm. (laughs) and wasn't really going to be great at running a $40 million business anymore. So they brought in an external CEO and that CEO was hired to mentor the next generation for spinoffs that they were going to do. So again, that's a practical decision about what we do, but it was absolutely grounded in a long-term legacy.
0: No, oh, it's fascinating. I, uh, that's very cool. Thank you very much.
1: I, I think it's super fun, and I actually think all owners should ask that question. You know, <laughs> like, w- why am I doing this, and right. what am I trying to leave behind? I think, even though it feels kind of pie in the sky theoretical, it instantly makes day to day decisions easier, and the answer is more clear.
0: Right. Well, and, you know, and it's interesting. I mean, that's why, if you think about it, in you know, you know we're both helping people and working in the EOS world, Yeah, you know, in an EOS, you know, th- basically three of the eight questions on the vision traction organizer that, that we work through with, uh, w- with clients is, uh, is about clarifying your goals and, you know, and starting it more distant and getting more clear as you have the, t- you know, you're clarifying yes. where am I going to be 10 years from now? Or that could be, you know, they say five or 25 years from now, but, what's my really long-term goal, whether it's 100 years from now, 50 years from now, 10 years from now, what's my long-term goal, where do I want to get, how does that affect what I do today in order to be on track to get to yes. that long-term goal that you're talking about, and then what's my three-year picture, kind of bring it a little closer, what's my one-year plan, and what's my quarterly goal, you know, it's really four levels actually, and um, you know, so that kind of just kind of dovetails with what, with what you're saying about what a huge difference it is to to either internally people clarify that for themselves or working with uh or working with an eos implementer or some other kind of consultant or coach to really clarify what those goals are because that really does have a near term difference in what kind of decisions you make
1: it really does and uh i i should be careful about saying having that big picture makes decisions easier i mean the decisions are hard they're still hard uh, But you have more clarity, right? About what's the right direction. Yep. And I'm going to say this there's a lesser known tool that people use in EOS called the partnership rules of the game. And it's often used for family businesses or businesses that have multiple owners. And it's all about, really, in my head, it's the partnership, it's the ownership rules, right? It's how do we engage as owners. And the requirement, as EOS puts it, is um, that. You are required to, you know, fight fight for the best for the business, mm-hmm. and you are not guaranteed a role inside the business just because you're right. an owner. And that right. really reinforces the idea that being a healthy team in the business is important, and that's the way to do it. Right? There's no guaranteed jobs.
0: Mm-hmm. And well, b- maybe dovetailing on that actually goes to the next thing I wanted to ask you about which you know, we hinted at a little bit with some of the drama earlier, but as part of EOS, as, as part of being an implementer, you're helping facilitate people, make sure that they have the right people uh, who share the company's values and the company's culture, they fit, it, fit with their, the group like a glove, and they're in the right seats, they're doing the right job that they're excellent at and they can execute on properly every time. Um, but it kind of gets more complicated when you know the right person in the wrong seat is mom or my bless his little heart, you know do- son or daughter yeah. or nephew or niece. Yeah. So how do you advise companies in situations like that?
1: You know, I I it's the same story whether it's uh, your kid or or not, in my book. And I I talk about this issue with family businesses. I call it the Aunt Matilda issue
0: okay which,
1: right which is aunt matilda's great she's part of the family or she's whatever She's a wonderful person she's great she hopefully aligns with the core values of the business even right she's a right person yeah. but she refuses to upgrade her technology use beyond a typewriter um, <laughs> she insists on filing in a file cabinet she won't use the drive right so um if, if she's not in the right seat, if there's not an appropriate seat for her, you, you have to let sweet Aunt Matilda go. Um, it, it's just imperative. And, you know, going back to that three circle model, right, the family, the business ownership, a lot of the time, the reason people will want to keep Aunt Matilda around is because maybe she doesn't have so much money or she doesn't have anything to do right. during the day or whatnot. You can right. absolutely take care of Aunt Matilda on the family side. Right? Take care of her on the family side. Um, find another place for her to spend her day. Get money together from the family to help her out. You know, right. do something I like guess that. It,
0: right. I mean, your point is that if you're thinking of it, if you think of the business in terms of that the business is all there is,
1: yeah. then
0: well, where are you gonna take care of her unless we yeah. give her a job? It's the only place. Yeah. But you're pointing out that no, we have to reframe our the way we look at this in our minds and we have to look at it that no, there's also an ownership element and there's also yep. a family element and she could get her dividends as an owner if there are any yep. Or, yep. She Hopefully. Can, or if she is an owner uh, or she can uh you know she could just be taken care of by the family if somebody could pay her mortgage you know whatever it happens to be yep. but she could be taken care of some other way um and maybe supplements and you know uh, i'm sure Aunt matilda would like to feel fulfilled and and not Lower the morale of the people around her because she's not really chipping yes. in like yes. everybody else, and she would love to feel productive and and successful at her job uh, by you know doing something else, even if it's yeah. not related to the family. And if she still needs a little supplement, then like you said, take care of her from the family circle yep. or from the ownership circle. Yeah,
1: there's there's so many ways to take care of her, and um, you know, th- there's the other right. There's the other terrible Aunt Matilda who. Doesn't fit the core values as a total jerk, right? Um, And and maybe she's even good at her job, right? Right. Or maybe we could call this one, uh, you know, cousin George or something, right? But yeah, (laughs) there we go. Cruella DeVille. So, um, right? So, you know, that family member's out there too, and it's the same thing. You got to get them out. And I've actually said to audiences of family business owners who I've spoken with, like, if you ever run into an EOS implementer who lets you off the hook because you're a family business, or for that matter, an estate um, attorney, anybody Mm -hmm. who says, oh, yeah, you can go do these wildly unprofessional things because you're a family (laughs) business, I say, walk out of the room. That person's disrespecting you. You should be held. I mean, my goodness, when you me- when you do things like that inside your business, you're risking your family. There's right. no good reason for that in my book.
0: Right. and Right. And is the three-circle model, I mean, is that enough? I guess part of my question was really like, how do you get people to come around to realize the wisdom of that when it's so hard? Mm. Because people's self-esteem or the way that they what happens on Thanksgiving dinner later on is going to yeah. be severely affected potentially by, by letting Aunt Matilda or Aunt Cruella go or whatever. I mean, yes.
1: You know, I've often said that I feel like family business owners are the, the bravest people on Thanksgiving, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. Cause they go sit and they eat their Turkey or whatever. And then, you know, they might've fired somebody the Wednesday before or have to do it the day right. after. I mean, that's right. crazy. Yeah. that's why I say they're brave. How do you um, get
0: people like so how do you how do you get people to 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 that point?
1: Yeah, so there's some people who aren't interested in that period. you know they want to kind of run a business that may may or may not be run terribly well, but it pays everybody and and that's that and they're happy and and that works for them mm-hmm. so and and there's no reason to change it. Right, if that's the case, Um, there's others who are so. um, It's been so messed up for so long that it's it's like the best thing to do is maybe let the business uh, be sold or Mm -hmm. close, and there's just it, it can't be changed. But those are the two extremes. There's tons of people in the middle. It's so crazy. Almost every time I draw that three circle model, um, a per, the people I'm talking with say, "Holy cow!" Okay. No, there's now not just I, one place to look. Yes, okay. I might that explains why I'm pushing for this decision in this way and this other person who's only in the family circle is pushing in another way.. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it just helps people it helps make sense of things. So there's people think about a person's golf swing. There are certain people who, even though if they change their golf swing, they'd be better golfers, they just don't want to hear about it. They're just not interested. Right? They're not the people who want to talk to me. Right. about their they're, family they're, business. They're, right. they're
0: probably not paying the fee and, 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 no. and spending the time and doing the work nope. even before you get to that particular it's, question.
1: It's working for them. They do fine. It, it's just the way it is. No problem. Yeah. I there, mean,
0: there's a, self, there's a certain self-selection, but you know, before yeah. people are even talking to yep. you at that level.
1: Yeah. So, And then there's a bunch of other people saying, you know, I'd like to be better, but I don't even know where to start. Okay, well, here's a place to start. Let's start here talking about this and take it one step at a time. And before you know it, your golf swings better. And <laughs> I, I, I don't know if you're a golfer or not, but no, when no. you, okay. Or, or even the way people hit baseballs or even run or swim, when you start changing the way they've done it all the time, it doesn't feel good, even mm-hmm. though it's better. Right. Right. So it's better you're hitting the ball farther or you're swimming faster, you're running faster, but it doesn't feel good. It feels completely unnatural. And that's the process that people go through with EOS and that people go through around succession. Right. So we Mm -hmm. teach them better ways and different ways to think about things. And even though it doesn't feel normal, they're doing better. And eventually it starts to feel normal and then they really have a great golf game or or race or whatnot.
0: Right. Right. Okay. Awesome. And, you know, I wanted to get to one last question. You, you mentioned succession just now. So what, what, what are the main things that, that you, that you're advising people or that people are looking to do to set themselves up for success when it comes to, uh, succession and kind of avoiding the, uh, you know, maybe potentially avoiding the, uh, what do you call it? The seagull management problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, So what are, what are the, what are, what are the things people could do to set themselves up for success in, uh, when it comes to passing the business on and met ma- or management on?
1: Yeah so the the first thing is to think in all three circles. So there's a leader in the family circle, the business circle and the ownership circle. So the and and succession needs to happen in each of those areas. So on the business side Yeah m- I'm curious, pers- yeah, I'm not sure yeah.
0: 100% following H- how oh. does that apply to all three?
1: So okay well let's start here. So the leader in the business of course is the CEO or the president or the general manager. Okay. Right? And a great way to do succession on just in that business circle is actually to use EOS because you get really clear about what you need out of that leader for the business. And then Mm -hmm. you put the right person in the seat, Mm -hmm. right? And that person might be a family member. It might not be. So that's what it looks like in the business circle Okay. on the family circle. Whether people say it or not, there typically is a matriarch or a patriarch in the family. And that person often makes sure that family traditions happen. They often host family Mm. traditions. Mm -hmm. Um, They kind of keep people in line. In family businesses, they're often the ones who say, let's quit talking about the business. You know, there's a family here. (laughs) Uh, right um and that person um in the family business literature is often referred you know if the if the leader of the business is the ceo the leader of the family is the also the ceo they're the chief emotional officer Mm -hmm. and when you have actually good succession in the family on that side so another person steps up to mm-hmm. make sure family traditions happen and make sure it's not all business all the time to kind of make sure people are coming together and laughing when they're together and whatnot. That's really important. Often gets overlooked, but super, super important.
0: Now you, you're talking about succession of that role. Yes. I mean, right.
1: Mind blowing, isn't it? <laughs> well. Yeah. No, I wasn't
0: thinking about that. I mean, there's actually a, uh, there's actually a family we went to for, uh, you know, for many, many years, my family, went to for the Passover Seder's. Yes. Um and in that in that family they have this you know kind of marrying an Aryan Kaplan like this this kind of the, the, the patriarch and the matriarch of the family and again you know the, uh, the big family events are always hosted by them everyone came to them and then they when they got too sick or uh or it got to the stage where they couldn't do that anymore then uh, you know then that was that was passing down to yeah you know to one to one of their kids to 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 take over that role. Um, it seems like maybe that could also be helpful in, uh, in the business succession area too, or in the business all too, is just kind of keeping everybody straight and keep their priorities right. Because you do have kind of an authority figure that can be a mediator or a judge or something like that, uh, in, in business situations as well. Sometimes.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Acting smart. Yes. And yeah, it's, it's such an important, um, and overlooked piece of that person keeping the family together, keeping the glue, you know, being the glue of the family, Mm -hmm. um, and keeping really, really, truly, truly, truly keeping it. I mean, for most family businesses, I know, the number one goal is let's have a great family. And Mm -hmm. the business is something fun they get to do as Mm -hmm. well, right? So when that person goes away, um, and isn't replaced with a new person, the business often, often suffers. Because then when there's problems in the business, there's less to lean back on on the family side.
0: And what about the ownership circle? Yeah.
1: So ownership, there's typically a majority owner. Um, Even if there's shared ownership that's equal, ownership needs a leader um, that can often or will often end up looking like the president of the board. Um, Mm -hmm. it might look like, um, for a very large, complicated family, the head of the family council, but that's also Hmm. important to have a leader of that ownership circle who's making sure everybody plays by the rules, stays focused on the legacy. Um, you know, not not just
0: looking on maximizing dividends,
1: but exactly. Yep. Yep. Three pieces of succession. It's not just one, it's three
0: well, it's interesting, and you know, I'm not, you know, personally in a family business situation, but uh, obviously, with my own clients, it's very, it's very enlightening for me. And with, you know, if you're if you're right that you know two thirds of the of the businesses yeah. out there are are somewhere in that family business uh, type of situation, then obviously this is this is perspectives and new ways of thinking about things that I think will be very very valuable for a lot of people. And um, so, again, I you know, Sarah Stern, really appreciate you coming on. And again, people can, can look up information about you at FamilyBusinessMN.com. And just uh, thank you so much for being here today.
1: Well, I hope it's helpful for your audience and I'm honored to be a part of this. Yeah,
0: thank you so much and uh, everybody have a great day. Thanks so much, bye-bye. You're listening to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf.